Before we get started, I want to talk about sponsors that help make this show possible. I've partnered with swimming companies that can serve our international audience. The Magic Five, custom fitted goggles that are tailor-made for your exact face. You shouldn't feel like you're wearing any goggles. Use code BRETTHAWK20 at checkout to receive 20% off. Destro Swim Towers. Gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save $150 per double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, at checkout. DestroMachines.com Superior Swim Timing. Run a swim meet with ease from your laptop. SST is fully compatible with high-tech, Team Unify, as well as Colorado, Dactronics, and Amiga touchpads. SuperiorSwimTiming.com Swim Angelfish. Receive the tools and skills needed to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions with Swim Angelfish. Go to SwimAngelfish.com. Nate's come out with another awesome tool for the swimming community. It's called Swim Nerd Live, and it allows the data and times from your actual scoreboard to be broadcast and viewed in real time on any smart TV, phone, or other device. It has all the information you're looking for, event, heat, lane, name of swimmer, times and places. One click on any device and they're watching your swim meet live in real time. Go to swimpractice.com to learn more. Welcome to Swimming's Best Talk Show. Gonna learn all the things that Brett Hawk knows. As he has a chat with his guests about what it takes to be the best. But the sport's about more than just best times. It's winning the battle against your mind. So listen in and let's take a dive with Brett Hawk as we go inside. There we go. We up. Welcome back. What's up? John Long, Amy Bilquist, how you doing? Good guys, how are you? Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, Brett. How are you doing? Good, good. Doing very good. Thanks for being here, Nate. Have you got anything to start off the show for us? Um, was I supposed to have something? <laughs> no. Okay, good. Because I don't. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> John, I was telling you, I was reading a piece on Swimming World about Amy Bilquist and her uh, retirement, and we were going to talk about her today, and I just thought to myself, well, instead of me and you talking about her, why doesn't she come on here and talk about herself? So we have a special guest, Amy Bilquist, here to talk about her decision to ultimately retire from the sport of swimming. Amy, how you doing? Doing well, Brett. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So talk to us about your decision real quick. Yeah, so unfortunately, I feel like this is kind of a long time coming for me. I have been injured pretty almost consecutively for like the past eight years, and everyone has seemed to progressively getting worse and worse. So with this latest injury, I actually in May dislocated my sternoclavicular joint, which is where your collarbone meets your sternum. And I was like refusing to see doctors at the time because I, I knew I really hurt myself, but I just didn't want to get the kind of result before trials. So I swam through the pain, which eventually turned in from like chest pain to numbness and like almost a dead feeling down my arm. So 
whenever I was swimming and my arm would go overhead. So that happens a lot in backstroke and freestyle. My arm would just go completely numb and I couldn't really feel it in the water. So almost got to the point where that's probably the scariest injury I've ever had when I was swimming and didn't know where my hand was, was just hoping and relying on muscle memory mm. and really going to a couple um, pretty great surgeons after the fact and really discussing my long-term health here. I decided that if I, you know, I want to like lift up my kids when I'm older, if I want to continue being active, this is something I really need to really need to think about deeper. And I, for once in my career, decided to put my long-term health in front of uh, my dream. So I ended up retiring, which was a bittersweet moment for me, but I, I really think I was lucky in the fact that I retired still loving the sport and having an itch to get back into the water and swim in my life. Just not, a, I just can't keep swimming at the elite level I was because it was just destroying my body. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed getting to know you and watching you swim. So it's, it's bittersweet for all of us. Um, I mean, I felt like there was so much more ahead of you for sure. Um, but it's been fun to see your progression from age group swimming to college to professional. And so I feel like we got a good run at least of, of seeing you maximize the talent that you had. John, you got any questions for Amy? Yeah, I got two come to mind. Amy, number one, just perseverance is something that obviously kind of defines your career. I mean, what do you say to athletes that are also dealing with a similar situation where you seem to have just a really good feel of of how to handle all that? I mean, do you have any recommendations to, to people who are dealing with, with what you are? Yeah, I would say definitely give yourself time to process things. You know, day one, um, I was never like, it's all going to be okay. I'm going to be fine by the end of the season. You know, I really gave myself like almost a full week to just have those times where I was just pissed, where I was disappointed and all of that. And then eventually it comes time to, you can't wallow in that. You have to make a game plan. So I remember my senior year when I broke my foot at Cal, I was in the weight room more doing upper body because that's always been a weakness for me. So really like when I can't be in the water and I can't be doing what I want, figuring out ways outside of the pool to get better. And for me in my shoulder surgery in January, I was on the pool deck every day after my surgery, coaching people, looking at people's strokes, just because I felt like for me, that still helped me keep connected and keep, you know, visualizing my stroke throughout those, like throughout that month, I couldn't touch the water. Okay. So I would really say as best as you can, give yourself time to process, but don't wallow in it too much. And whether it is working on weaknesses or visualization, really, really take advantage of those tools because I think that's something that's really overlooked in injuries. Got it. And Amy, on, uh, on one other note, and I take you back a little bit here to your Carmel days. Mm -hmm. And even as the team now at Carmel High School is the most successful high school program that exists. And Amy has continued to use social media to, to buoy those kids who are there now and keeping the tradition. What is it about Carmel that has bonded that whole group and that has kept this dynasty going year after year? I think it's kind of the mutual experience. And I, and I think that that bodes really well for Carmel. You know, I was there, what is that now? Almost six years ago. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, someone even like Drew, who was there two or three years after me, you know, he had that same experience. And I think that really 
speaks a lot to Carmel's consistency and why the program is so good. You know, I went through it six years ago and someone going through it right now, we honestly probably have pretty similar experiences because Chris expects excellence always and always has consistency throughout his program. You know, this day is this, this day is this, we're in right. the weight room here, here, and here. And, and I just Chris think- Plum you're talking about. Yeah, Chris yeah. Plum, sorry. And yeah, and so I think the consistency really leads for everyone you know i can really look back and be like oh this kid this um, athlete's struggling right now they reached out to me this is what happened when i went through this so i think the consistency of carmel really brings us all together no matter what time you went through it got it thanks amy well i think we've just discovered here uh, something here amy uh, there's no chance in hell that you're going to just disappear from the sport of swimming i think you've got a future in the commentary box. I mean, you're super intelligent. We already knew that. Um, you've got a good face for television. Um, you're well-spoken. You understand the sport. So we've got to figure out a way that we can get you connected to swimming in the future. You're not going to disappear from us, all right? No, I've actually had a couple of coaching conversations um, already and a couple offers. But for me, I think, and, and honestly, my mental health, I need to have a good clean break from swimming. I, I know I'm going to come back. Right. I And probably in coaching, you know, I loved coaching, especially my time at Scottsdale. I had a lot of time to, you know, be on deck and work with kids and mentor kids. And to me, that was probably the most fulfilling thing to end my career on. And um, I know I'm going to come back. I just need like a year or a couple years to just get that clean break to, so I'm not, so I'm not bleeding over my wants and my desires in the sport onto other people. You know, I don't want to be projecting. I want that clean cut to be able to be the best coach I can be when I come back. Right, right. Well, coaching is definitely an option, but I'm telling you, commentary. That's where you're <laughs> headed, okay? Commentary. <laughs> For sure. Sounds good. All right, you're going to stay with us. Speaking of commentary, we've got some topics here that we're going to get through. Nate's going to lead us through these things. Sometimes I jump in the middle of his leadership, so we're going to let him That's go okay. and, and walk us through where we're going next, Nate. Up next, the Paralympics start tomorrow. Mm. Well, Our boy, they've started. Uh, today. Yeah. Australians have already been winning gold medals. I've seen Of it. course they have. It's happening. Uh, Jamal Hill is swimming. Yep. Who's been on the show a few times. Yep. We're going to tune into that. Um, did you know that finally that they're paying, they're paying the Paralympians the same amount of money as the as – the, normal olympians yeah so they just got a major pay raise from like $7500 for a gold medal up to $37,500 for a gold medal so uh some some groundbreaking things happening at this year's paralympics there's over 1200 hours of of uh coverage so a lot of eyeballs a lot of advertising opportunities uh, a lot of sponsorship dollars coming through um the the paralympics so it's it's exciting to see yeah, there are just some great stories too. Just some amazing stories that are shared uh, by those Paralympians that it, they, they they deserve this uh, this big window of, of to see into their careers and what they go through. That's why I think I loved what one of the Tier Pro Series events, and I forget where where exactly it was. They invited Paralympic contenders uh, to participate, and I think that's just a great way to grow um, para sports, para swimming, especially. Mm -hmm. Amy, do you have any association with any Paralympic swimmers? Yeah, I actually know Lizzie Smith relatively well. She was a arena athlete as well, and she's just amazing. And I think 
I'm just so happy that they got this pay raise. They deserve it. She trained so hard. I remember we practiced today or practiced uh, like a year ago together and um, she's just awesome. And I can't wait to watch her race. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be some great racing coming up. So I have to get on the schedule. Is it live on NBC? Nate, do you know? You're on mute. There we go. We can put it in the links. We'll put it in the links so you can, uh, yeah. just like you did the normal ones, they have like a list of everything. Awesome. All the streams. And uh, Jamal put out when exactly when he's swimming. So if you want to follow along with Swim Uphill, Jamal Hill. Yeah, I know Jessica Long pretty well, too. She's got an incredible story. She's going for more golds. I mean, she's been at it for multiple Olympics now, so this is it's cool to see her back and leading the team out there as well for the U.S. All right, what's next? Another retirement. Farewell to Japanese superstar Kosuke Hagino. Mm, John, what's your thoughts here? I think he's probably underappreciated. Um so much was made of Daya Seto heading into the Tokyo Olympics um, because Seto had prepped himself with some world titles and excellent performances going to Tokyo that Hagino was a little bit forgotten about. He also took a break from the sport to worry about his mental health. He was ahead of the curve on that one a little bit. But this is a guy who was the bronze medalist in the 400 IM in uh, 2012, comes back and wins gold in 2016 in the 4 IM. And, and probably just doesn't get the credit he deserves. Um, also, just a world-class 200 freestyler, 200 backstroker, just a tremendous athlete in the sport will miss him. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Amy, do you know uh, Kasuki at all? I never met him, but I always appreciated, like, he does the hard events and he does them super well, and he does a lot of them consistently. So I thought that was really cool, and I also did think he was underappreciated going into this year's Olympics. Yeah, in terms of the, the mental health situation that John talked about, uh, it, mm -hmm. it seems like that is becoming, you know, much more of a topic amongst, you know, top-tier athletes these days. And, and I mm -hmm. believe you've had some, you know, opinions on this yourself, Amy. Is that right? Yeah, I definitely think, you know, when we look at athletes like, oh, they're injured and it's a very physical injury. You could see it, you know, after my surgery, you can see a scar, I think with you know, your mental health, you can't really see it and you have to be your biggest advocate. And sometimes that's extremely hard. And, you know, with Simone Biles, there was a lot of judgment that came along with that, but I'm just super ha like ha happy, sorry, that he was able to, you know, take that break during his career and now know when to retire. And I think a lot of people need to just start listening to like how they actually feel. And it, like, you know, if you want to be done, be done. Don't force yourself to do something that you don't really want to do anymore. Yeah. What's your thoughts, Nate? Uh, one of the thoughts I had was, uh, even though the ISL is here and Fina's coughing up some more money and we all think that all these swimmers are going to continue their careers long uh, into their 30s, I just don't think that's really the case. I mean, this guy's been training for the, the hardest events yeah. for over a decade. He's been on the scene. He's uh, He's got to be sleepy. You know, he's got to be a little bit burned out physically mentally the whole thing so um yeah it's uh we, we i think we all want to see people to continue but um for those distance swimmers especially it's going to be harder to keep keep going well into your 30s i think but uh yeah it's exciting for him he's got a new kid he's married he's got a, a whole nother 
life ahead of them. It's not yeah. just all about swimming. Yeah. I'm sure the pressure of what he just went through of a home Olympics is just such an impact on him as well. So I hope it's not a rash decision. He's only 27, I believe. So, um, you know, he, he may reverse the decision later on or he may stick with it. But, um, I, you know, I'm sure he's satisfied right now with what he's done in his career. So it's, it's good to see him make that decision for him. All right. All right, moving on to super conferences. Yesterday, the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 kind of came together and unofficially officially said, yo, we're developing a super conference. So we just saw Oklahoma, Texas going into the SEC, making the SEC even more insane than it already is, especially on the swimming side. Um, so now uh, are we going to see Stanford and NC State and UVA and Ohio State and all these teams together in under one giant conference? Swimming conference? You know, I could see them going, with, keeping the individual conference, conference championship meets at the end of the season. I think a really neat thing would be a mid-season meet where you have the Pac-12, so you have your Cal and your Stanford, and then your ACC with Virginia, NC State, and your Big Ten uh, programs. I mean, that would be a pretty cool winter winter meet, that little measuring stick that a lot of schools use to get their NCAA cuts. Um, if, they go the, if they go the big conference where – it would be 30 plus teams. That, I mean, that would be dynamic, but I'm just hoping right now for a little bit, I guess. And, and I think that would be a mid season meet, which would be, which would be pretty cool. Yeah. Amy, what's your thoughts here? Yeah. Um, that's crazy <laughs> to be honest, like to think about how tough it would be to make, you know, even a BRC final at a mid season meet. Um, if those conferences are all together, you know, I think it's, I think it's good and bad personally. I, I think it affects swimming a little bit differently. And I like the idea of having your conference meet at the end of the season, still, you know, hold that traditional like Pac-12, ACC, all of that, keeping those separate. Just because to be honest and have having swam in the Pac-12, I think we had a super advantage um, having like a small conference that was uh, separated like women went and then men went because I think a lot of the conferences that had that combined meet, there's just so much hype when, you know, a men's team is there and it's a bigger pool deck and more fans. So I think we had the advantage going into NCAAs because it was a build up for us and a build down for some people. So I just get, I just think it'll be interesting to see if that mid season went off like that, how those times would compare to NCAAs because I almost feel in some cases it, it might be faster a little bit. It's funny that you say that, uh, you know, perspective is everything, isn't it? Everybody in the SEC would say, oh, we have the advantage. You know, we have the best mm -hmm. meet in the world. We've got the men and women combined. We respect each other and we support each other. And, and uh, you know, it's super fast and blah, 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 and all that sort of stuff. And then to hear you say, well, we had the advantage. So I, I don't <laughs> ultimately know who has an advantage in any situation. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think a lot, a lot, in the SEC is always made of the conference. And I always felt like there was too much made of it at times. And I don't know, mm -hmm. this, this sounds like it's going to be another one of those situations where all of a sudden there's going to be a lot of weight put on the conference title, you know, from athletic directors, let's say, to say, hey, you've got to win this, uh, you know, conference title, as opposed to it used to be just go out and win the national championship and that's everything. Whereas a lot of bonuses and a lot of, mm. you know, whatever it is, is going to be tied up into this conference title now, which will then ultimately take away from 
the the national championship in some way. So, you know, I, I, I agree, kind of agree with you, John. If it's going to go like that, then it may have to go to kind of a winter midseason rather than so close to the national championship. But is this something they're talking about next year or like the SEC? From what I read, it sounded like it was like four or five years away. I don't think – I mean, right now when you look at the, the agreement that was made yesterday – there's no signed paperwork. It's a they called it a gentleman's agreement, a handshake agreement. So I think there's a lot of steps that have to be covered still to figure out, you know, when this even takes off and in, and in what way. Yeah, the SEC one, Brett, you're right. That's not supposed to be because there's television contracted uh, television contracts with Texas uh, and Oklahoma that have to get sorted out. And so I don't think we're looking at that until 2024, unless they're let out of the contract. And I, I couldn't imagine that's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on. Yeah, there, there's just a, there's a lot going on with the NCAA. Things are changing so fast for them. All these athletes are starting to get paid, which is pretty exciting too. Um, all right, here's the big one. ISL tomorrow. Definitely starts tomorrow, yeah. Season three. Um. You, you just interviewed Rob Woodhouse, the general manager for the London Roar, who we will release at 12 noon today. So just a couple hours from now, you'll listen to the whole entire interview. But he dove into the ISL a ton, um, mm -hmm. and he kind of talked about the London Roar swimmers, who's going to be there, who's not going to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, hockey, it uh, sounds like Adam Peaty might not be swimming at all. Yeah, Adam Peaty's not going to swim at all. And and look, I've heard a lot of people talk positively about the ISL, and I think for many good reasons. You know, like the, it's re, it was refreshing um, year one, year, even year two. But we're in year three now, and I think there's some frustrations being built up. I'm just going to jump to that straight away. Like we all know the positives, and we we can't keep just talking about those things. We finally have someone in a in a high power position, a GM, Rob Woodhouse of the London Raw talking about the ISL in, in terms of where, where its challenges are and, and not negatively, but being realistic on like, okay, there's some issues here and, and he's talking about those issues. So it's nice and it's refreshing, like I said, to have somebody in that position come out and say some things that we're all thinking, but no one's talking about openly and publicly. And here we are, uh, Rob Woodhouse, he's going to, you know, give out a lot of different details and, and spin on his take on season three of the ISL, which will come out at uh, lunchtime today. So yeah, uh, Amy, you've been part of it. Yeah. I mean, it was obviously incredible. There's not, there's, you can't take anything away from the racing. It, it, was, it was so different and so much fun. Um, do you have any thing to add to what we already know about it? Yeah, I just think, I mean, I'm sure Rob will address it, but I think payment is definitely an issue. Um, like, I think there was buy-in from the first like year or two of athletes being like, all right, like we want, like we are willing to be paid late because we want this to go off. We want future generations to be able to have this, but at some point, you know, where's the last straw on that front? So, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm sure Rob will address that as well. Yeah, yeah, he does for sure. John, what's your opinion here? Yeah, just from an organizational standpoint, and, and I don't mean an organization, the overall ISL, I mean from getting the little details right, season three is not supposed to be season one where you're ironing out little problems. Season two, you can accept a couple. Mm -hmm. We're about to start season three, 
and an email just came out, like no joke, less than an hour ago, mm. announcing the television contract for the Amer for the American rights for the U.S. rights. That stuff, that stuff should be in place. Um, it shouldn't be a you know a last hour thing that that's getting sorted out. And that just that shows that it's just it's it's not organized enough. It's not they're kind of going day to day to figure out how to make some of this work. Yeah. 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 Nate, I mean, from the outside looking in from someone who's a swim nerd, I mean, where are your frustrations with it? Well, I mean, we've heard it from from all the swimmers that payments, obviously the, the biggest issue. Um, I also just wish they would like stick to like mm -hmm. swimming. Mm -hmm. I don't need to look at the precious gems or the precious metals or whatever the heck that they're trying to do. I think the guy literally went on there and said, we don't, we don't care about the names of the swimmers. We don't care about their times. This is like the, this is the best way. No, it's not. No one wants to look at precious gems. I don't know what a Ruby means. You know, just show me the person, show me the swimmer. Tell me about the swimmer. And you know what, Nate, people don't want to have to learn what the Ruby and what the Emerald are. Uh, like you said, they want the athlete. Let's recognize the athlete and what they're doing you know, between the walls. And that's where it comes down to. Yeah. And one of the things that frustrated me and, and, and maybe with the, uh, we're going to talk about Sonny being in Naples and, and some backstories, but there was, there's no backstories. Like I know Amy Bilquis, but nobody out there watching the ISL knows Amy Bilquis personally. Exactly. So like, she flashes up for five seconds. She does a swim and then it cuts straight off to something else. I'm like, I want to know who this woman is and her performance. I want to support her. I want to cheer for her. But it's just like tell the stories of exactly. The tell I the think story. they're they're turning it every season, in my opinion, more and more into like a video game. Mm. You know, where it's like these characters. There's these gems. Here's like stats and all of this. And I think you're really right. And they're missing a huge opportunity to have these narratives of storytelling and connection because. Mm -hmm. People aren't going to watch because someone got a ruby. People are going to watch because they're like they're buying into people's stories and buying into who they are. Yeah. And Brett, if I if I can, I mean, the one thing that we found at Swimming World, people want the the personality features. They or, or an in depth feature of how somebody got somewhere. They can have somebody, you know, uh, prep that ahead of time in between races. Play that profile. It doesn't have to be a five minute profile. It can be a ninety second piece where we learn a little bit more about the interest out of the pool, how they've overcome a certain injury, um, you know, any hardship or, or just, you know, maybe they light up a room somehow. And that's what you want to find out. That's what people want. They want the person, they want to know the personalities. Yeah. And the other thing that, uh, uh, that um, Rob said was that he, he completely disagrees with the fact that the final is, is in January. You know, like I felt like he felt like that, they were onto something last year where the season was kind of condensed and then they had the playoffs real quick and then the final boom. And, and it felt like it went really well. Uh, he, he does not agree with the finals being in January. And he says, if that's the case still, then none of the Australians will be competing in the finals. None of them. Because the Australians have their trials in January. I mean, uh, March, sorry. And then they'll have to go back after January and, and quarantine. So none of them are going to compete in the finals if they're in January. So that was a bit of a bomb that he dropped in this podcast uh, later today too. Yeah, it's um, it's all happening, right? Yeah. And it starts tomorrow. So uh, we're still excited to watch some fast swimming. Um, 
you know, he did mention like Kyle Chalmers is going, Emma McKeon is competing. Like there are a bunch of Australians that didn't need a crazy enough break that they want to be out there. They want to be competing in racing. So there's, um, there's definitely a lot to be excited about um, as we head into season three here. Um, moving forward, there's uh, the World Cup is back. The FINA World Cup was just announced. So um, Just before we get off that real quick, Amy, did you end up getting all your payments from season two yet? Okay. There's, there's a little... That's a no. So we, and that's from an athlete. I mean, again, and it's so hard for the athletes to come out and say these things because no one wants to be negative, but it's the reality is like not everybody has been paid from season two. How can we start season three when you haven't paid for season two? I, and, and here's the other thing. What is Matt Biondi doing? I mean, I got Matt Biondi hanging on my wall up there. <clears throat> I idolized this man from the moment I was a small child and, and, it, it hasn't changed necessarily, but Matt, what are you doing? Aren't you the head of an organization that's supposed to be fighting for the athletes? I mean, you put your hand up for the job. Fight for the athletes. Why am I on here talking about why does Amy have to embarrass herself in front of the world? Why, why isn't Matt Biondi on there fighting for the athletes? Matt, where are you? What are you doing? What is the, what's the organization called? The Alliance? I mean, you, you were forcing swimmers to sign this agreement to join an alliance and you're heading it up and what are you doing? Yeah, it definitely feels like this, everyone's on one side, you know? So um, the whole purpose and the backing of the ISL was because it was supposed to be for the athletes, by the athletes, for the athletes. And, um, I mean, heck, it seems like they just cut the pay of every single swimmer in half, right? From 15000 the solidarity payment went from 15000 to 7500 So now you're going to get half of zero, which is still zero, if my math is correct. So, um, yeah, uh, I think it's important that people are talking about it because the athletes should get paid. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, okay, yeah, FINA World Cup, me. talking about getting paid. FINA's trying to get you paid uh, in, in their World Cup series, which – We've seen plenty of people do um, Katinka, Teresa Alshammer. Um, so we we have stops in Berlin, Germany, which some people say is the best stop in the whole in the whole circuit. People love going to Germany. They got the best techno music. They got some of the best crowds. Um, that is consistent if you followed along with the World Cups um, for the last uh, fifteen years or so or whatever. Um, Berlin used is usually the stop of the, of the best beer gardens. I know that. Yep. Uh, we're in Budapest, uh, Doha and Kazan. So a lot of those, um, this, you see a lot of those same sites, uh, year after year. Um, so yeah, there, there's, there's four more stops. Um, I guess, is anyone going to go from ISL to FINA world cup to ISL again in November to, uh, um, ISL again in, in January is is there is there someone that's going to be running around and world short course championships in mm. December that's so right this yeah. schedule's just too packed and mm. this is where you also see the ISL and FINA being on opposite you know ends of the spectrum here where they're gonna they're competing for a slot in the calendar basically mm. and it doesn't work because the athletes are not going to be able no athlete wants to overcommit himself or herself to something that 
is not going to benefit. I mean, you're going to have to get solid training blocks in too. So there, there's going to be decisions that have to be made and, and the calendar is going to have to get thinned out at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Then you add the Australian league that they've just announced on top of that. <laughs> right. It's just like never ending for swimmers. It went from nothing where swimmers weren't getting paid to now it's like an abundance of money all over the world. And like, there's too much of it. It's like, uh, you know, a guy like um, Tom Shields who could cash in quite literally. <clears throat> Big time. But he's a married man, you know, like what is he not going to see his wife for six months just to go out and make a couple of hundred grand. I don't know. It's, it seems like a lot, but maybe his wife can travel with him. I don't know. But you know, at the end of the day, it's a lot of time on the road. Um, and then, uh, other than that, we just got our boy Sonny in Naples. Um, if you haven't been following Sonny, the swimsuit guy, follow him on YouTube at Sonny, the swimsuit guy. He's now one of the assistant coaches over there at energy standard. So he's been, he's posting a lot of vlogs. Usually he's on the live show with us. Um, he's got some kooky times right now. He's super busy, uh, training all the, all the athletes and, um, jumping into season three here, but, um, he is consistently putting out new vlogs so he just put out his first one i think there's another one coming out so if you want to see some behind the scenes stuff uh sunny does a great job um with that so we just wanted to to mention that before we run oh you know what else we skipped over was um popovich, popovich you know, in our isl conversation didn't he sign he signed uh yeah he's, he's racing and um which is interesting because I don't know, I don't know exactly. I've heard from people that if you sign with the ISL and you swim with them, you can't swim college. So is he just eliminating himself completely here? Have you heard anything, Amy, on that aspect? No, I actually haven't. That's interesting. But I know, I mean, like Hoffer had to make the decision to ISL or NCAA season. So uh, I wonder if it's like an actual rule or if it's like a team rule, like you're choosing to leave the team, you don't get to come back. So. Mm -hmm. Because I wonder how the new NIL, the name, image, likeness rules, um, do they not factor into that at all? Because now where we're seeing um, it, some individuals have some opportunities with apparel companies, maybe it's different if you commit to a professional league. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. I've heard, I've heard that if you did do the ISL, then you were done with college, but I could be. I mean, wrong. it would, it would make sense. Like you're not going to see a, football player play in the NFL and then come back and play the college season. So I, I think they're trying to like parallel it to that potentially. Yeah. You might be right, but Hey, it's a great question to ask uh, David tomorrow. Well, it's today, but oh, know, I mean today I'll be on it today. Yeah. That's my little exclusive. I'm interviewing Popovich today, everybody for the seven people that are watching us right now. I think there's a few more, but uh, listen, John, uh, how's the book going Good, quickly? Where can we find it? How's it going? Uh, the book is Below the Surface. Um, you can get it on Amazon, and it's basically a comprehensive look at the history of the sport, and it's going well. Thanks. Awesome. Congrats. Nate, you've got a copy of it. I know that. i got to get myself a copy, lazy son of a gun. Come on, man. Break it with the program. Where is it? You got it? Oh, Thanks, bro. Nate. <laughs> Appreciate that. I sure do. I have been looking through it. Brad, I don't see your name in here. Hmm, strange. Interesting. <laughs> No, let me let me check the table of contents. Hmm. No, no Brad Hawk under Isn't there. Not, didn't you put a history of losers in there? No Brad Hawk, the greatest swimmer. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, we'll get there. Amy, appreciate this. You got to get to work. Thanks for doing this again. Um, you guys are awesome. Just chatting, swimming. So it's been fun. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, you guys. Appreciate yeah, thanks, it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye. 
So the Magic 5 custom swim goggles. Now I got to tell you, I really love these things. I did the scan. I got the Magic 5 app and I held up my phone to my face. It took a scan of my face within 10 seconds. It shoots it off, gets processed. And within a couple of weeks, I get these brand new goggles that are custom fit to my face. No leaks. The gasket fits perfectly around my eyes. I got to tell you, these things look beautiful. They're, they're good looking goggles. They're super clear. I can see out of the peripheral. Everything is as I would want it. Custom fit. Use code BRETTHAWK20 to get 20% off your own pair of custom fit Magic 5 goggles. These things are incredible. I highly recommend them. All strokes, breaststroke, backstroke, butterfly, freestyle, perfect fit to your face. Get yourself a pair today.